When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, brought to you by RocksPile.com. My name is Kevin Henry. I am one of the co-experts on the site, along with my fellow co-expert and good friend, Noah Yingling. Noah, how are you, man? Pretty good. How are you? I am doing good. I'm watching the snow come down here in northern Colorado. I don't think it's the snowmageddon we were uh, expecting just yet, but uh, the snow is coming down, my friend. For a friendly reminder, meteorologists are never right. <laughs> it, 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 it is 2021, and we do not know how to predict weather. It's amazing. At all. It, it's it's and, amazing. I mean, Ohio, because I live here in Ohio, It is. it's so much like – Colorado, it's mind-boggling, where in a week, you'll go from 80 to 30. You should not have to turn on your heater and turn on your air conditioner in the same week. So I get that it's it's hard to predict, but still. I mean, if you're expecting three feet, you should have some snow on the ground there, and doesn't seem like you do. (laughs) Well, I'll be be curious to see, obviously, you know, we always get a good snow day at Coors at some point in April, uh, you know, so we'll see if that's opening day with April 1st with the Dodgers coming in. But that's in the future. That's so far ahead of us, Noah. We got to talk about today. We got to talk about some things that we saw in that Rockies win uh, over the Mariners, uh, excuse me, at Salt River Fields. And and I will tell you, uh, Noah, I know you were watching it from Ohio. And one of the things that jumped out at me, uh, Kyle Freeland, it looked like a very efficient, good second outing for for Freeland, as as obviously he hopes to build upon that twenty nine or sorry twenty twenty comeback that we saw. Yeah, and I kind of thought he would go out for a fifth inning because I was actually tweeting about the game and I said, "Oh, he's got how many ever pitches? I think it was fifty one through four. Um, yesterday, Herman Marquez didn't pitch that well. Um, and he had a pitch limit of 60. So I thought, okay, it's probably around the same for Freeland. And I thought, okay, he'll at least go back out for the fifth, but he didn't. Um, but he, he pitched really well. Um, got up to 94 um, on the radar gun. Um, didn't allow a run either. Um, and he had some really economical innings. I mean, 51 yeah. pitches in four innings. Um, so that's 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 pretty good i mean that's less than 13 pitches an inning absolutely you know if you look at what freeland has done so far this spring uh again two starts uh, he's thrown seven innings allowed five hits no runs he's only walked one uh he struck out six and no i tell you the thing that that interested me i was down at salt river whenever kyle made his first start of the year and he said that he only used two pitches he stuck with just the fastball and the changeup, trying to really get those going 
And obviously, you know, again, three innings, two hits. So even with a two-pitch mix, he was on that day. Today, he added in the slider as well, he said in in the post-game comments. So four innings, three hits today with a three-pitch mix. Uh, So I'll tell you, before we talk a little bit more about Kyle, let's hear from Kyle himself about adding in that third pitch and kind of what he sees as his progression so far this spring. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a test of, you know, uh, of your grid out there, um, especially, you know, right now in training where I'm I'm adding on pitches per start. So, like, right now I'm, you know, restricting myself to only using three pitches uh, just so I can get those nailed down. Um, but, you know, at times in starts where, you know, you don't have a certain pitch, sometimes you want to, you know, continue to work through that and hopefully maybe you find it. You also have to rely on your other pitches in your arsenal to, um, you know, get you out of situations. Uh, fill up the strike zone and, and, you know, continue to keep those hitters off balance. So, no, again, you watched the game. What were some things that maybe stood out to you? I mean, you mentioned efficiency earlier, but were you noticing that good pitch mix uh, that was going on? Yeah, he had the good pitch mix going right at the onset. I mean, even if you look at the pitch-by-pitch breakdown, which, side note on that, uh, Salt River Fields is one of the only stadiums that has the pitch FX system in the minor leagues or minor leagues in spring training. Um, there are also minor league stadiums when there was the Arizona leagues um, and the rookie leagues. But um, if you look at the pitch mix, he was, he was throwing the curveball a lot. He was throwing the fastball a lot. Um, and then he was mixing in the changeup as well. I curveball slash slider, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but he was really mixing it in well. Um, and he was getting soft contact round balls um there there was the one liner that went right over his head and he ended up ducking out of the way of it um so he he did have a little bit of hard contact but it was mainly soft contact grounders to the right side that kind of stuff which which that's what we're looking for obviously you know as we get closer to the season and and again you know you don't want to go back to it but it's such a stark difference between what we're seeing so far this spring and what we saw a lot of 2020 versus what we saw in 2019 with the hard contact and everything else it was just just hard to watch when Freeland took them out yeah and as we all know that's that's the thing that is is, is the problem for the Rockies for their pitching staff is just the consistency. Yeah. Are you going to get the 285 ERA Kyle Freeland? Or are you going to get the 675 ERA? Or are you going to get somewhere in the middle where he was last year? And, and one thing, you know, and, and I know a lot of people roll their eyes when her because because Freeland was one of the first guys to come out there and talk about, you know, we're going to be the snake in the grass. We've got our chip on our shoulder. You know, a lot of a lot of people roll in their eyes about some of those comments. But I'll tell you, from being down at spring training, these guys, they believe that. And they've really taken that on as their mantra this year. And Freeland is kind of the leader of that whole us against the world mentality and so far he's pitching like he's a man on the mission to prove to prove people wrong yeah and i mean if he and if he and the entire team can do that there will be a lot of people myself included that will say more power to you yeah but the problem is and we've discussed this before there's so many things that have to fall in line for them to be that snake in the grass mm-hmm. and losing Arenado, you've been a seven, a low 70 win team the last two years, of course, for 2020, that being adjusted, but how are you going to say win 20 more games when you're losing Arenado and the Padres have made all the moves they've made. And sure. it's not like the Dodgers are the worst team on the planet. They just won a World Series. And on paper, they got better this offseason. There's some people predicting that they're going to win 110, 120 games. I think that's insane, especially 120. Um, Some were even higher than that. But, I mean, they are not a bad team. They are going to win 90 games if they have Kershaw and Bueller and Justin Turner even out all at the same time for an extended period of time. The Rockies have to have everyone in the starting rotation and the bullpen 
running on all cylinders and guys like Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rogers, uh, Sam Hilliard, other guys like that, Elias Diaz step up and they, they all have to do it for the entire season. Yeah. So it's just, for me, the odds of that happening compared to the odds of the Padres and Dodgers who made the playoffs last year doing it is it's just, there's so much for them to overcome. That's going to be the, there is no, I, I agree. And, and certainly we know the West is stacked. We know what's, what's going to be awaiting them those first four games of the season when the Dodgers are in town, you know, you, you can almost go ahead and, and pencil in that Dodgers rotation uh, you know you're going to get a, a Bauer, a Kershaw, a Bueller, uh, you know, and then it's you can in a combination of seven other guys. Exactly. Yeah. Death, so they, they do. And the, and that's one thing. See, you read my mind, my friend. That's one <laughs> thing that I was going to say is that we know that, as you said, Freeland has to be on. Gray has to be on. You know, their their starters have to be the leaders, not only in the clubhouse, but I think they also have to be on the field as well. And we've also we've already seen Sensatella uh, this spring get a little bit of a hamstring uh, hiccup uh, that has slowed him down. And, you know, you worry about the depth that the Rockies have at starting pitching. I think they have very solid starting pitching at a level. And then, unfortunately, it drops off pretty quickly. Uh, if if injuries were to set in, and also too, it's frankly it's that way with the entire team. Brendan Rodgers is injured now. Yep, yeah, we let's don't talk know about how long going to be out. Who's going to replace him? Are you going to? Uh, I would say presumably you'd put Hampson at second and then have mm-hmm. Hilliard in center. But then who are you going to have after that? I mean, you can't have three people playing nine positions in Albuquerque. Well, and, do? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, you know, and if you listen to our first podcast that I did, uh, or most recent, I should say podcast with Thomas Harding, one of the things is we talked about is, you know, and, and again, I know roll your eyes, Rockies fans, but roster versatility. And, and we know that Chris Owings is going to make this roster. I mean, you just as well get ready for him being on the opening day roster. And you're exactly right. I, I fully expect for if Rodgers is to miss any time, you've talked about a Hampson and an Owings combination right there. I don't think, I think it would take a lot of things to fall apart for Rymac to be pulled back to second base. Uh, I mean, that's my personal opinion, but I, I think that they are saying, Rymac, you are the third baseman. We want you to focus on that and, and to pull him back to anywhere else in the infield right now, I don't think is, is in their best interest. Well, and, and in general with the Rockies, I mean, how many roster uh, of the 26 man roster, how many people do you think, uh, how many spots are open as of right now? Two, maybe, 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 maybe. I, and I, I, I'm of the position yeah. after listening to Thomas that it's Daza versus bird for that last spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I think I think we're down to one spot that's open on that opening day roster, personally. Well, and someone asked after Estevez gave up the homer, and he's got a, an ERA of twenty one in the spring now, and, and yeah. we all know he did not pitch well last year. Was there going to be any kind of battle for? Uh, is he like on the borderline for the team? No, he's making the team. He is. I mean, unless he has some catastrophic injury, or his ERA goes up to infinity. He's going to be on the team come hell or high water. He's on the team. Yeah. And and one thing that I, I learned at Salt River, because I asked Bud about it a couple of times when after games, and I, I asked him about Diaz, I asked him about Estevez, and as you said, there there's no question. He's counting on them. And, and Bud is the type of guy that he believes in his relievers. And he believes that these guys have bounced back years in them. So what you're seeing in spring training, is it is it tough to watch with, with uh, Estevez right now? It absolutely is. And with Diaz, too, in some games. Yeah, but and in some games it's been that way for Givens as well. It has. It has. You're absolutely right. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break. Whenever we come back, we're going to get back on the pitching train for the starters and talk about uh, maybe a little bit of a new bromance that's bu- that's building with the Rockies. Uh, you'll have to tune in after the, the ad to talk about or to hear what we're talking about. So we'll be right back after this. 
And hey, we are back with the Rocks Power Rockies Report. Kevin Henry here with my good friend and co-expert Noah Yingling. And Noah, again, you watched the game today. You saw Ryan Rawlson uh, take the mound right after Kyle Freeland. And there are a lot of folks out there that are excited about where Ryan Rawlson is going. They want him at Coors Field tomorrow. Uh, but that's not going to happen. Ryan Rawlson is going to start the year in the minors. He still, as Thomas Harding loves to say, he needs some seasoning. Uh, you know, that's that's his favorite thing. But I, I'm curious, what did you see from Ryan uh, whenever you were watching him pitch today? Um, I don't think he was quite as sharp as Freeland, but he's, he's pitched still really well. Two innings, two hits allowed, um, no runs, no walks. He struck out three. Um, and the thing with him is I'm one of those people where I, I think he should be on the team. Um, I think Ben Bowden should be on the team as well because frankly, this, like I said in the first segment, I, the Rockies have so much stacked up against them right now. So why not put in more of the guys of the future? I mean, obviously you need some veterans like Crone and Blackman and what have you, but why not try out some of these younger guys? It's not like you have four relievers in the bullpen that are lefties that are going to win Cy Young awards this year. You don't have anybody. No. Who's your number one left-handed reliever right now? It's Philip Deal. I mean, uh, let's be honest. He, he might not even make the team. No, I, I think it's very possible they start the year with an all right-handed bullpen, just like they ended 2020. Uh, I think that that's very possible. And, you know, one thing that that I I heard from Rawlison today, and we're going to play a clip here in just a minute about his improvements from last spring to this spring, but he is also a guy, you know, there's a bunch of Kyle Freeland guys out there. We know that. And gals. Don't want to dis, dis, uh, discard that. But there are a lot of Kyle Freeland guys and gals out there. Ryan Rawlson is one of them. Uh, you know, one of the things that he has really been open about in camp so far is the fact that he's learning so much from Freeland, a fellow lefty. Uh, he's learning a lot because they are, they are catch partners. Uh, they are the ones who warm up together. Uh, they spend a lot of time talking together. So let's talk. Uh, let's hear from Ryan Rawlson right now. Let's go into the Kyle Freeland relationship and what he's learned from Kyle at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was first time, you know, pitching after Freeland, and a guy that I look up to that I've watched, you know, in the big leagues ever since I got drafted and um, kind of have similar pitches uh, with the curveball, changeup, and fastball, and just kind of talking to him about, you know, setting up hitters, different sequences that he throws what he had success with early in his career, what he didn't, what he would change, you know, stuff like that. And so uh, really the biggest thing I like to watch is just the way he competes, um, the way he takes the ball, his demeanor, um, you know, and, and I'm kind of that same way when I get the ball um, and I step on the mound. It's uh, me versus the guy in the box, and, uh, you know, I'm going uh, full at it. I want to make sure because I teased Rawlson a minute ago about the improvements that he saw in himself from spring uh, last year to spring this year. So let's hear from Ryan on what those takes were. Yeah, yeah I think I, I, I've come a long way. Um, there was still a lot that I had to learn um, in my first big spring training last year. Um, and then coming into this year, kind of having my own routine, um, you know, kind of finding that uh, that routine last off season, and then talking to some of the, some of the older guys that, you know, have been here for a while and uh, like Freeland, Gray, all those guys that are starters like me, um, kind of seeing what they do day in and day out, and um, you know, just kind of just kind of take things from their routine and, and add them to mine and see what works well for me. So, yeah, I, you know, no, I'm like you. I, I think Rockies fans need hope. I think Rockies fans need something to to look forward to, and I think Ryan Rawlson is a guy that they can look forward to. I guess I'm also of the opinion that if you bring him up too early and he has some trouble in first starts, you know, it's the, the tale of two coins. Do you let him work through that and just take his lumps and learn at altitude? Because uh, he got a great head start on that last year at summer camp. Or do you say, we want him to be in Albuquerque, we want him to learn down there, get the altitude mixed down there before coming to course? Um, that's a good question. I Personally, I would, because presumably Austin Gomber, who, 
also has a very good relationship with Kyle Freeland as that's developed over here in the last few weeks. Um, with, with Rollison, I, I would put him in the bullpen for now. Um, but I could see, okay, we w- we do want to make him a starter. I would understand, okay, let's have him in Albuquerque and then possibly come up later. But I, I think that's a problem with the Rockies in general. Like I said, you you do need to have some veterans, but sometimes they're a little bit too, they're a little bit behind the eight ball on saying, okay, we need to move on from veteran X and move to young player Y. Prime example, Daniel Murphy. He was injured. Last year, he didn't play well. There's a reason why he retired. He He's not very good at baseball anymore. Let's, let's be honest. They put they finally put in Josh Fuentes and they saw, Oh, okay. Maybe we have something here. Maybe we don't, but maybe we do. But for a while it was like, okay, why are you putting Daniel Murphy at first base every day? Yeah. He's not part of your future. Get him out of here. And uh, this is another thing too. And sorry that I'm going to go on an old man rant here. I don't care if he's a great clubhouse guy. I don't care who it is. I'm not talking about Daniel Murphy, just in general. Oh, he's a great clubhouse guy, but he can't play baseball. Get him out. <laughs> no, it, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. And I think that we're starting to see, you know, for years, Rockies fans are like, let the young guys play. Let's see what we've got. Let them play. We're at that point right now. You are going to get more than your fill this year of Ryan McMahon, Ryan Tapia. I think Josh Fuentes is going to play a lot this year. I absolutely do. I think you're going to see a lot of Garrett Hampson. You know, I think you're going to see some of these younger relievers, uh, you know, get a chance this year as well. And and by younger, uh, sadly, I still mean Diaz. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're still waiting to see what there really is with, with Jairo Diaz. So I'm curious to see, though, if if things start going well versus if things start going south quickly what the attitude is as far as playing, as far as bringing guys up, as far as seeing what they've really got. And, you know, again, we talked a minute ago about Greg Bird versus Jonathan Daza for that last bench spot. You know, it's it's kind of crazy to me to think about, and I think some Rockies fans would agree, that they are going to be willing to cut bait on Jonathan Daza, who a lot of people will argue is the best outfield defender they've got, but obviously struggles at the plate. And it's for a guy in Greg Bird that, as a Yankee, had numerous injury issues. Mm-hmm. And we've seen at altitude, it's hard to stay healthy. Yeah. Brendan Rogers, David Dahl, name any of the pitchers from 20 years ago that they signed as a free agent. Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel, go down the line. So you expect him to stay healthy? I mean, if he, if he plays 160 games this year and stays healthy, then like I said, with uh, Kyle Freeland and the snake in the grass, more power to you. Yeah. But it's the chances of that happening is in my opinion, at least slim to none. So, okay. If he gives you a a veteran bench bat. Oh, okay. But he should not be starting every day, especially when you've got guys like Fuentes who could be perhaps the first baseman, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. And, you know, if I were to look in the crystal ball after being down in Scottsdale, I think C.J. Crone is going to be your your opening day first baseman. And I think C.J. Crone is going to get a lot of playing time at first base. And I think Greg Bird is going to be that guy off the bench. He's going to be that left-handed bat that they're going to bring off the bench in certain situations. And I'm not going to be surprised if Josh Fuentes, unfortunately, he's going to get some at-bats, but they're going to be more as a defensive replacement almost or in a double switch type of thing and don't uh, under you know don't forget they love putting Josh Fuentes in the outfield just to get him in the game and so do not be surprised at all if Josh Fuentes starts the year with more innings played in the outfield than he's got at first base now also too I wonder about this and this is obviously completely hypothetical because we have no idea how severe Brendan Rodgers injury is what if the Rockies decide, okay, we want Hampson in center field. So now he's obviously can't play center and second base at the same exact time. So we're going to move McMahon back to second and play Fuentes at third. 
I don't foresee that happening every day, but occasionally I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Occasionally. I think you're right. Uh, Occasionally I do, because I do think that they are going to find some way to work Josh Fuentes into the lineup. I I really believe that. And you're right. It may be Rymac moving over to second every once in a while. Uh, But I, I do think that if a Tapia, let's just say starts off in a slump or there are some issues that, uh, They've got to figure out a way to get Fuentes in. Do not be surprised if that's where they slide him in. Yeah, and uh, I also kind of wanted to ask you about that, too, with the center field situation. Yeah. Everybody seems to be going with Hampson, and that uh, that's what it seems like to me. Why don't you think that Sam Hilliard is at the top of the depth chart there? It, it, it's interesting because I think that Hilliard has earned a moniker as a strikeout guy. And, and I think he's going to have to prove that what we saw last year was, was not what who Sam Hilliard is. I, I agree with you. I love having Sam Hilliard in the outfield. He covers a lot of ground. I think he looks like a center fielder who could uh, take advantage of Coors Field, both on the offensive side and play the defensive side well also. But I think that he has a stigma right now. And, and Garrett Hampson is seen as that guy who, if Tapia doesn't lead off, Hampson is seen as that guy who can get on base, you know, move over. He's got the speed, all that stuff. Now, devil's advocate here. Sure. Why not have Hilliard, even if he strikes out 200 times a year, why not have him in center field um, if he's capable of – because we all think he's capable, whether he does it or not is a different question, of – probably 30 homers and 100 RBI each year when Garrett Hampson is a not a center fielder and B what has he shown at the major league level as a hitter I mean outside of his rookie year where he had a cup of coffee he's had a sub 300 on base percentage why do you want him leading off it's true and you know and I think again a lot of people remember back to that one stretch that he had uh, where he was very solid for a time and they look back and they say, oh, well, he provided a spark for him. And God knows that team needed a spark at that time whenever yeah. he was able to do that. And, and I also think, you know, and, and I'll probably be crucified for this, a lot of folks look at Tapia in that same way. He provides some kind of excitement, some kind of spark at the top of the lineup. And, and I know there are a lot of accolades about could he be the next batting champion, all this stuff. And, and I'm not going to rain on that parade. But I'm also going to say that Tapia has to do a lot better on his on-base percentage before we start worrying about him becoming a a batting champion and becoming in this elite class. And also, too, not even just that. Let's cool it on the MVP talks for him, okay? Sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of people, oh, Raimel Tapia's going to win the MVP. No, he's not. Not this year. Maybe in the future. Again, the Rockies in general, they need to make more steps. You can't, most players, unless you're Mike Trout, you're not going to go from AAA player to winning MVPs with no steps in between. I agree. You have to have some stepping stones. I agree. And, and you know, one thing that uh, I was, it's funny you say that because Thomas and I were talking a little bit about this spring training. It's not that the Rockies are being viewed as a really bad team. You know, and, and all these low win totals that you see, but it's more that we don't know what a lot of these guys are going to take as far as their next step this year. You know, we don't know what Brendan Rodgers can do with a full season. We don't know if Sam Hilliard can bounce back. We don't know how Tappy is going to take that step, as you were just mentioning. So there's so many question marks that I think people just automatically go, well, it's going to go to the negative side, and it could. But there's also the scenario that, again, if things fall right, it's not as bad a season as people predict, and the young guys have actually taken a step forward. Yeah. And even more questions. Is the starting rotation going to stay healthy? John Gray hasn't been healthy in four years, for a full season, that is. Yep. I mean, Herman Marquez, even Kyle Freeland, they've been healthy. But like I said earlier, what kind of season are you going to get from them? How is Austin Gomber going to transition from pitching at Bush Stadium to pitching at Coors Field? Is the bullpen not going to have an ERA of seven? Do you have somebody out there besides 
Daniel Bard that can give you consistent innings. Scott Oberg is that guy, but is he going to be healthy? Also, too, not not even considering the Rockies. Also, like I said, you're going to have 200-win teams in the Dodgers and Padres, most likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you aren't going to have 300-win teams in the same division unless the National League Central has a division winner that goes 79 and 83, which that's not going to happen. There's somebody in that division, even though in the Central and the East – they're fairly close together. I mean, the, the Pirates are not a good team, but even the East, right now, the Marlins are predicted to be in last place. I mean, the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. You got the Mets, who are a lot better. So that's going to impact your wild card chances. You have the Braves still, too. So it's not like in the American League, if the Rockies were in the American League, they'd actually have more of a shot. Because the American League right now is nowhere even close to being as good as the National League. Because the two best teams in the sport are the Dodgers and the Padres. And guess what division they're in? The Rockies division. Exactly. No no argument, man. So, hey, we're going to take another quick break here. And when Noah and I come back, we're going to talk about what success looks like for the 2021 Colorado Rockies. So join us right after the break. We'll be right back. And we're back with more of the Rocks Power Rockies report. Kevin Henry here, along with uh, Noah Yingling. Noah, I got to ask you, you know, before the break, we were talking about the the NL West. It's going to be stacked. We know that. We haven't talked a lot about the Giants and the Diamondbacks, which, you know, they're kind of the also-rans of the division on paper, uh, along with the Rockies right now. Is there a scenario that you see where a successful season for the Rockies might be that they just don't finish in last place in the NL West and that they can, they can hop the giants or a diamondbacks. Um, Particularly with the giants. I I would not be surprised if they were to leapfrog them. Um, That's particularly if some guys like Buster Posey, I mean, he was out all last year because he opted out. So, I mean, is he's, definitely been on the decline the past few years but is he going to be a guy on the decline or a guy who can't hit and can't catch um i mean you look at their lineup right now it's not a terribly it's not a young lineup in fact all of them besides one are in their 30s but a lot of them don't have a ton of mlb time um the bottom of their lineup does more I mean, look at this lineup and see if you think, do you think they're more proven than the Rockies are right now? Leading off the third baseman, Tommy LaStella. Hitting second, the right fielder, Mike Yastrzemski. Hitting third, the second baseman, Donovan Solano. Hitting cleanup, the left fielder, Alex Dickerson. Hitting fifth, the catcher, Buster Posey. Hitting sixth, the first baseman, Brandon Belt. Hitting seventh, the shortstop, Brandon Crawford. And hitting eighth, the center fielder, Mauricio Dubon. Ninth slot, obviously, is the pitch. Yeah. Almost every single one of those are more proven than the Rockies right now. Yeah. Oh, and when you read that line. Go ahead. Sorry. You pretty much know more of, okay, like I said, all besides Dubon are in their 30s. I mean, there's some guys like Yastrzemski. He'll be 31 this year. He doesn't even have two years of service time yet. But he's done really well in the majors. Yes. So – he, he kind of had that year last year and the giants kind of had it in 2019 and 2020 where, okay, we're in the state of flux. Now, now we're going to start back on our way up where the Rockies are going down. So in other words, the Rockies are a year or two behind the, in the, the giants, in my opinion, at least right now. And you know, when you were reading off that lineup, I just went Rockies killer, Rockies killer, Rockies killer. I mean, it's amazing some of those names. <laughs> I was just like, you know, you, you shudder. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, you strips- got Max Muncy, then you'd be oh, Max Muncy. Yes, just lower. Read Kevin Larson's Rockies Killers article on Rockspile.com, <laughs> and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. But but you know, you're exactly right. I mean, there are a lot more proven names on there. But it is one of those things, you know, what does a, a belt have? You know, what does a posy still have? Things like that. 
you know, in, in Arizona, I think is kind of a, a question mark as well. I think a lot of people have slotted them in as kind of that third team in the NL West. But I've got to be honest, whenever I look at that that Diamondbacks lineup, I mean, there, there's some star power in there. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I go, is it is it sexy enough for third place in the NL West? And the thing with them, too, is, and it's the problem with the Rockies, too. Can their big guys stay healthy? Yeah. David Peralta has never helped. I'm sorry. If any Diamondbacks fans are offended, I mean, I, you shouldn't be. He's always <laughs> he's always Speaking under. the truth. Yeah. Um, and they have some good defensive guys, like, for, exa- uh, for example, Nick Ahmed. But how often does he produce an MVP-like season at the plate? He doesn't. That's why he's projected to hit eighth in the lineup. Um, to tell Marte, he has to be more consistent. I mean, yeah. he had that great season a few years ago, and then he's kind of dropped off since then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Carson Kelly's another one behind the plate. He was going to be the heir apparent to Yadier Molina, but Yadier Molina's still going in St. Louis, so now Carson Kelly's in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, he's still young enough. He'll be turning 27 this year. But, I mean, he's not getting any younger. And, frankly, he hasn't shown much in the major leagues yet. And and I know a lot of you, whenever I'm talking about Ken the Rockies leapfrog and everything else, you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you forget this whole Trevor Story trade cloud that's hanging over the franchise right now? And, obviously – we don't know what's going to happen. And if you read my interview with Trevor story that we had on rocks pal earlier this week, he does not know what's going to happen. He has also said that there's nothing going on right now between him and the Rockies. So I think you could put two and two together and say his time in purple could be very limited, but it's also one of those what ifs, you know, and, and obviously it's a different lineup completely with story anchoring it than story not. And that's one of the things that I talked about this week in, in an article was who would replace him if he is traded. Mm-hmm. The Rockies have a few people that could on their major league roster, Rogers and Hampson in particular. But then where do you go? Okay, let's say Hampson's the starting center fielder entering this year. And let's say that Rogers is healthy enough and plays second. Okay, so if you're moving Rodgers, you're going to have to move, presumably, Hanson to second, then Hilliard in center. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's there's so many moving parts with the Rockies where a story, uh, John Gray, if he's healthy, he could be traded because he's a free agent at season's end. So the this will be a huge, huge year for the Rockies. And that, that's part of the reason why well, with fans of, oh, it's going to be a wasted year. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. It's not whatsoever. This year is going to determine a lot of what's going to happen. I mean, if the Rockies fall completely, if the Rockies are actually healthy, but still completely fall flat on their face, you might actually get a few shakeups in the front office. Mm-hmm. The Rockies go 51 and 111, and each of their five starters make. 32 starts that means they're healthy a but i mean that's a worst case scenario right there on so many levels man seriously i mean obviously that's yeah that chance of that happening is slim but what if it does happen where let's say ryan mcmahon doesn't prove himself at the plate what if rogers does what if he's not healthy or what if numerous people aren't you could really have some shakeups. And in fact, one thing I saw this week, I don't necessarily agree with it. The betting odds on managers to be first fired this year of the 30 managers, Bud Black was second on the list, second highest. And, and I saw that too. And, and there's just no way. There is no way that even, I, I don't think the mess that, here, here's a pile of poo, bud. Here you go. And, and I don't think that they're going to ever say that it was, it was Bud Black's fault. I think that he can only work with what he's got. Yeah. And I, and I still think after talking to Colton Welker, 
Jamison Hanna, some of these guys who have a chance later in the year to be up with the Rockies, again, they've drunk that Kool-Aid that they understand their role. And, and you've got to give Bud Black and his coaches credit for instituting what that role is and tapping the brakes a little bit and telling them, guys, be patient. Your time is coming. It's just not right now. And that's another thing, too. Let's say that story is traded. What happens if then Rodgers moves over to replace him? They decide to keep Hampson in center, but then they move McMahon back to second and then bring Welker up. I mean, Welker, he has to prove himself in Albuquerque, but in spring training the last three years, he's hit really well. Now, granted, obviously he's coming in later in games and it's not like he's facing Clayton Kershaw on the mound, but He's still doing really well in spring training each of the last three years. Yes. So as long as he's in shape and he can not completely boot a ball at third, which he's at least of what I've seen, he's about average defensively, if not a little bit better than average. You could very well see him in the majors this year. And once again, you see those moving parts with the Rockies with the versatility. And one thing that you touched on right there, and 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 I want to make sure because you and I didn't talk about this, but one thing I kept hearing at spring training is how Colton Welker's body has shaped into a major league body. And I know that sounds weird to say, but they have said that he's he's turned from a boy into a man as far as his conditioning goes, as far as taking care of himself. And, and I will tell you, whenever I first saw Colton this year at spring training, there was a noticeable difference in, in his physique, how he carries himself, and that confidence level, too. So I, I think that we are on the doorstep of, of Colton Welker coming to Coors. And again, you know, you've, you've got to be excited with the Welkers, the Rawlsons. I am, I'm all on board the Jamison Hanna hype train. I'm just going to tell you, I am. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that they, they found a guy who could be, you know, and again, whatever happens, but he could be that center fielder of the future for the Rockies. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some hope. Uh, there absolutely is. And also, we actually have some audio about Colton Welker. Uh, Trevor Story spoke to me about him yesterday, meaning Friday. And here's what he said about him. Man, the guy can hit. He's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's got really good arm strength. He's, he's got good glove actions. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's good getting it, being able to watch him in early work and kind of, uh, you know, see his work ethic and, um, it's been good, man. I know he's, he's, he works really hard. I know that he, you know, he feels like he can be a good third baseman. So, um, the confidence is there. And I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to that. So, yeah, I mean, he, he thinks that his bat, his, his bat is developed and in general, he thinks that Welker is an MLB quality player so you could very well see him in the majors by the end of the year no question about it and again you know you you hit it a minute ago it's not a wasted year there's no such thing as a wasted year because the rockies have to see what they've got in some of these younger guys and if they can be the cornerstones when a trevor story's on another team when a charlie blackman has walked away from the rockies you know we're we're coming to that time and and there's getting ready to be a huge changeover and who the face of the Rockies is, and it's going to be interesting to see. And even though fans might think I'm nuts, I kind of alluded to this earlier. If the Rockies, if especially, I, I mean, if, if they end up going to the playoffs, he's not going to be fired. But I mean, if the Rockies don't do well, don't be shocked if Jeff Breidich is actually, actually on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. I mean, if they have a, as Dick Monfort said, an exceptionally talented team, three years is a pattern. Anybody who has some baseball common sense could see that. Yeah. Okay, we have not been a good team in three years. Maybe we're not an exceptionally talented team. Maybe we need to change some of the coaches. Maybe we, we've decided, okay, Bud Black isn't the guy anymore. Um, and we need to replace him with somebody else. Maybe we need to replace Jeff Breidich. Maybe we need to relook over everything. Maybe we need a president and CEO of baseball operations. So uh, it could be 
a huge year for the Rockies this year, all depending on what they do and how they do. Agreed. No doubt about it. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that I know Noah and I are both excited about this year, covering the Rockies, bringing you the, the latest information on Rockspile. You know, we're, we're thankful that the podcast has been rebooted. Uh, you know, we're going to be bringing you, uh, as you're hearing today, audio clips from the players. Uh, we're going to bring, bring in guests to talk about this. We want to make sure that we're answering your questions and trying to touch on the hot topics uh, out there. So, Noah, as we wrap up, man, we've covered a lot of bases today. You know, uh, pardon the baseball pun, but anything, uh, anything we didn't touch on or you want to elaborate on a little further? One thing I want to ask you on, since you were one of only a few people that has or will be in spring training covering yeah. the media this year, especially considering insider note on this, there will be nobody covering the spring training games live for any media outlet, at least this coming week. Of from any media outlet whatsoever. Nobody will be in Arizona. Um, what was your sense of feeling with the team clubhouse-wise? Obviously, you couldn't get as close with the COVID right. regulations and all that. But with the departures of Walters, particularly with the pitching staff, because they loved Walters. They did. Dahl and Arenado. Uh, I would say that everybody's turned the page. And, and, you know, like, like Trevor told me, you know, Nolan is still a good friend of his. They still text and talk once or twice a week. Obviously, that's changed. I think everybody has decided this is the team we've got. This is the team that we've got to work with. And the pitchers have been nothing but complimentary of Diaz and Nunez. Uh, they, they really like what those two bring as far as what they're doing to work together uh, in the battery. You know, and again, I know they're saying the things that they're supposed to say. I get that completely. But I also see that there's not a lot of miscommunication uh, on the mound. There's not a lot of shakeoffs. There's not a lot of the catcher running out there to talk to the pitcher. They look like they're on the same page. And, and I think that that means a lot just from the pitcher-catcher thing. And I also think that, you know, while it's a big change, from last year's roster, obviously, in a lot of areas. I also think, as we've talked about here, there's a lot of young guys that are finally like, I can be me. I think Ryan, I think Josh Fuentes, if he never hears again he's Nolan Arenado's cousin, he will be thankful. You know, <laughs> if 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 you, Brendan Rogers wait, wait, hold on. I know, he, I know. Newsflash. <laughs> Newsflash. What? I know. I didn't you know, know that. <laughs> But if Brendan Rodgers never has to be heard, never has to be asked about being a prospect again, you know, I mean, there's so many of these guys that are so tired of where they were pigeonholed for the last couple of years or last year, even that I think there really is that and not a sense of relief that Nolan's gone. Okay. I'm not saying that at all, but a sense of relief that they've got a role and that they can actually embrace it in spring training rather than just one of those, Hey, be ready. We may call your number and we may need you. And Scott Oberg actually spoke on that a little bit earlier this morning. Um, in fact, you can listen to that right now, right here. Uh, you know, I think off the field, uh, you know, there's always going to be some thoughts about it just because it's happened, um, you know, multiple times at this point. But when I'm out there, I'm competing and I'm trying to execute uh, my game plan. So, you know, when I'm in the midst of it, uh, I'm not really thinking about anything outside of – you know, what I'm trying to do with this particular batter and this particular pitch, um, you know, outside of that, you know, there might be some thoughts of, you know, um, can this occur again? Will it occur again? Whatever else. But, you know, when I'm out there, it's, uh, you know, it's all business. So, yeah, um, he was, and Bud Black also talked about, uh, the pigeonhole term, um, for the bullpen, but, um, for Oberg there, as you just heard, he was talking about it with the thoracic outlet syndrome, um, where, I mean, it's kind of hard to forget about it when guys like us are asking him about it, oh, absolutely. whether it's yeah. you, me, Thomas, or anybody. Yep. Um, but he's been talking with Chris Archer, who had that surgery a few months before him, um, and also Daniel Bard had it. Um, so, and Bud Black revealed earlier today that the Rockies are most likely going to have Daniel Bard as their closer, meaning 
he will be their closer. But as you know, Bud Black well enough, he, to use the term, he doesn't like to be pigeonholed into anything. Exactly. He was giving Thomas a hard time about that earlier. I can see too. that. I can see oh, it. Like, for example, who are your long, rel- who are your top candidates to be a long reliever? Well, um, here's some possible guys, but they might do something else too. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of have to, that's one of the nuances about Bud Black. You kind of have to read between the lines sometimes. Yeah. Well, and, and, but, uh, and, and I'll tell you, Bud is a, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a very interesting guy. You know, I asked him some concerns about the velocity with Carlos Estevez the other day. And he looked at me and said, Kevin, it's March 10th. You know, he was like, you know, it's not opening day yet, you know, pump the, pump the brakes on the panic train here, you know? Well, so, I mean, and he said that on Herman Marquez too, because yesterday I spoke with him for probably about two minutes by myself. Um, and he said nothing re- went right for me. Nothing. But Black was like, eh, he, he's been a little harsh on himself. I mean, yeah. it's it was March 12th. I mean, there you it, go. Uh, obviously there was a few things that he could work on, the basketball command and all that. But he's like, it's March 12th. He'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's still a long ways to go to the opening day. We know that. Uh, there's going to be a lot to cover the rest of spring. Obviously, Noah and I are going to be keeping track of things. Uh, on Rock's Pile uh, with written articles. Uh, we've got a big, great group of uh, contributors that are going to be helping us as well. And then obviously we'll be working here on the Rock's Pile Rockies Report. So make sure you subscribe to us. And until next time, we look forward to bringing you more of the Rock's Pile Rockies Report. Hey, go Rockies. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.